Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Only Football Podcast. Max Redbeiler and Guy Robertson. Hello. Hi, guys. Um, today we're doing um, no scout. We're just going to um, do our favorite match. We're just going to pick our favorite match of all time. And then we're going to do our favorite starting 11. Not necessarily who we think is the best starting 11, but in each, in each position, um, our yeah. favorite players. Players that have caught our eye over the years that we've got a special affiliation to for one reason or another. Um, good fun good exercise for uh, days stuck in the house. Yeah, so here we are, and we'll have other 11s coming up too as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let's kick it off with, uh, do you want to start with your favorite match? Sure thing. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly, my favorite match is the 2005 Champions League final, the yeah. miracle of Istanbul, Liverpool against AC Milan. Um, I remember every, every single thing about this. Um, I just moved, I just moved house um, and I was very upset about it. I was, in 2005, I was 10 years old and I was very upset. I'd had to move schools and everything and I, I moved to this new house with my folks and there was not much furniture in it. Uh, it was all very makeshift. Uh, it wasn't a very happy time, but my, my team, Liverpool, had, against all the odds, with not a very good team, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. <laughs> got into the Champions League final to play AC Milan, probably the, <coughs> the dominant European side of the era. At the time, uh, for sure. With some amazing players. I mean, you just look at their starting 11. It's Dida, um, Cafu, Stam, Nesta, Maldini, Gattuso, Pirlo, Kakar, Seydorf, Crespo and Shevchenko. It's that, this is like a roll call of who's the, yeah. who's the greatest footballers in the world in yeah. 2005, right? Um, and against Liverpool, who did you have? Gerard. We had Dudek in goal. <laughs> yes, he did. How Steve could you Finnan at right back, Jimmy Traore at left back, Sammy Huppier and Jamie Carragher in the middle, uh, Alonso and Gerard in central midfield, Luis Garcia on the right midfield, John Arnarisa on left at left midfield. Oh my goodness! Harry he was playing the mid at that time too. Yeah, Harry wow. Kuehl as oh, the geez. second striker Jesus. and Milan Barosh up front. Oh, I loved Milan Barosh at that me time, too, man. Me too. But man, that is not a good looking. That's love- really not a good looking team. It's like a lot of who? Well, exactly. I mean, Milan Barosh, he was I loved him, but he scored about 8 goals a season. Right. He just wasn't a yeah. good goal scorer for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the Czech though. Oh, great, the great that Czech. great term in 2004. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the summer yeah, the summer before this he he top scored uh, Euro 2004, but and I was very nervous. This is the first time I'd seen I'd seen Liverpool play the UEFA Cup final four years previously, but um, we'd been since then, since two thousand and one, we'd been on a slow decline, come, coming fifth or fourth mm-hmm. in the in the Premier League and not really doing all that much. Uh, we just replaced the manager. Uh, we brought in Rafael Benitez, and it got off to the worst possible start. Um, oh my goodness! One minute in, Maldini scores. Um, from a header, Pirlo cross, and then two goals in the rest of the first half from Hernan Crespo, one of which is one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. That, If you remember, um, Kakar picks the ball up in the middle and he plays an absolutely inch-perfect defence-splitting pass through the centre-backs. Unbelievable, one of the best passes I've ever seen. And then Crespo just dinks it over Dudek. I think that was the third goal. Um, but yeah, we're going to half time, three nil down, and it's absolutely horrible. Like, oh yeah, I'm um, I'm in pieces. Um, it's got to be over. Oh, it's 
it, it is over. Like, by <laughs> rights, this game is done. Um, there's no chance. Then, we, Rafael Benitez at half-time, he says, um, he tells Jimmy Trey, all right, Jimmy, you're done. You're off. So Jimmy Traore, at halftime, he takes his, his clothes off, goes and has a shower, and then he comes out of the shower only for the coach to say, Jimmy, you're back on, because um, Steve Finnan got injured in the first half and couldn't continue. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so Jimmy Traore then had to get back changed again and go back on, and we ended up playing with a three-man defence of Hupia Carragher and Jimmy Traore, probably one of the worst players I've ever seen play for Liverpool, Jimmy Traore. Um <laughs> And he brought on Didi Haman, who absolutely nullified Kaká in in the second half. He was outstanding. Um, and then there was the magical six or eight minutes where Liverpool scored three goals. Firstly, uh, Gerrard scored a heller, header. Um, then Schmitzis, Vladimir Schmitzis came on for Harry Kuehl and scored um, a long-range goal. And then we got the penalty, Alonso missed it and then followed up with the rebound it was just pure carnage, I remember after every goal I was running up, my dad who was working, he had his computer in his bedroom at the time he was doing some work he's not interested in football at all my dad no he's not, No. and every time I'd run up and I'd be like, oh, dad, 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 and he'd just swap me away basically I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not interested guy, yeah. you know? um, and then the later it got in the evening, my sister had gone to bed she was pretty young at the time and I was like running around the house screaming. My dad was like telling me to shut up because my sister was asleep, right? Right. And it was just absolutely bonkers. I've never seen anything like it. Then it gets to extra time. AC Milan start piling on the pressure. UFC Dudek comes out with a phenomenal, phenomenal save. Double save from Shevchenko. The first one, a great oh, header. Oh, yeah. Like, the header was very good. <coughs> and it was a great save from Dudek. The second one, he's like two yards. Shevchenko. Yeah. He won the he Ballon no d'Or. He, missed it. he won the Ballon d'Or the year yeah. before. He was probably the best striker in the world at the time. Two yards out, and Dudek, he's he's not even thinking. He just sticks his arm out and deflects over the bar. Mm. And at that point, I thought, well, when I thought it might happen when Gerrard scored, and then it kept on going, and then that's when I really started to think it was going to happen. Yeah. Then it goes down to penalty shootouts. How do you forget Dudek? Absolutely, absolutely bottle it. Oh yeah, it, it was three. Yeah. Three um, Dudek saves? No, uh, Serginho put it over the bar. Okay. Um, but he saved from Shevchenko and Pirlo. Yeah, um, yeah, Pirlo almost kind of tried to dink it a little bit, didn't he? It was, it was, the penalties were bad, and admittedly, Dudek, like, in the age of VAR... Mm-hmm. Off his line. <laughs> he, Dudek, Dudek was practically on the penalty spot by the time <laughs> they took the penalty, so... Yeah. Okay, we're going to gloss over that, but... Yeah, no, no. For sheer... For, this sticks in my memory because it was such an unfancy Liverpool team against such a world-class AC Milan team. And mm. to come back from 3-0 down, like, I've never known excitement or joy like it. And then Liverpool win this, like, you know, great club, but that hit hard times. Completely unfancy. And it was it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Dudek's antics building up to every penalty, too. Just, like, yeah. bouncing back and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Giving them the eyes, doing the uh, the grobbler wobbly legs routine. Mm. It was, yeah, fantastic. Um, and that's it. I mean, we after the first half, we completely shackled AC Milan, and that was with Steven Gerrard was playing at right back for the whole second for the whole extra time. Mm. 
what a performance from, from Gerard. Honestly, I've never seen anything. It was superhuman, man of the match, without a doubt. Um, Carragher could barely walk by the end. He was, he was so, so exhausted. Yeah. And he was cramping all the time. He could barely walk, but he was still putting in tackle after tackle. Jimmy Traore did not put a foot wrong in the second, from the second half onwards. <laughs> uh, Hamam was excellent. Um, but yeah, just looking at that team, especially when you compare it to this Liverpool team now, like there's there's probably three players in that Liverpool team that would get into this one now. That's um, Carragher uh, or Herpia next to Van Dijk. Sure. Alonso probably. Alonso, Alonso, um, Gerard. Yeah. And then Gerard. That's it. Yeah, it, ridiculous. Like a complete like. It was a little uh, intermission of, of success, based in between thirty well, years of shit. Exactly, so, right? No, it yeah. was it was the show. Although light. then when was it two years later you guys played AC again, the Champions yeah. League final, so it was yeah. a decent little run again, although That's they right. got their vengeance. Yes. Um, but it was I mean for for the drama and the joy and the excitement. Yeah. It's, Very dramatic match. Like it, there's nothing better. And honestly, as a football fan I've been recovering from it ever since. Like, <laughs> it took a lot out of you. I've I've had such a young age. Well, I mean I've had um in fact, I read an article recently that The Guardian are doing a series, My Favourite Match, mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. And one guy, he picked like a, a semi-final of a championship playoff game. And he said, at the, you know, at some point there's got to be a high watermark for the, the best or the most exciting game of football you've ever seen. And he says, in retrospect, this was it, this championship semi-final, right? And honestly... For me, this is it. Like, I honestly don't know how any football game can ever compare to what. Happened well, it's going to have to involve Liverpool, right? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the only way. And that's it's, it. And but it's going to be. Uh, I mean, you know, you could say something like close could maybe even be. You know, you mentioned like the Olympiacos group stage match yeah. last night, uh, but even the the four 0 comeback against Barca last year. That's that's very something something there. very similar, right? Yeah. Because like, a nice big comeback and the success at the end. Yeah. But then, but this gets it because it was in it the, was the final. final. It was the final. Um, and it was, yeah, it was one, and, and you had a half to come back yeah. with three goals. It's, I guess it's a bit comparable to the Barcelona game because we were missing Salah in that game. And I think, who else were we missing? Firmino as well. I think Firmino was missing in, in the Barcelona game. Yeah, Divac was we, there. We played, Shakiri started and Divac uh-huh. Origi started. Right. Um, but yeah, could, when you look at the two lineups, the play, I mean, Fucking Jimmy Traore, this bends my mind. Jimmy Traore was an integral part of a Champions League winning team. Mm. This is the guy who scored that ridiculous own goal in the FA Cup the next or that same year. Um, he like it was against Burnley, who were not very good at the time. Ball was crossed in, like dribbling I think across. We're going a little off topic right now. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> anyway, Jimmy Traore was shite, and so were a lot of the players in that Liverpool team. But yeah, the excitement of that game is unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, now as for me, I did consider United's uh, Champions League win over Chelsea. Mm-hmm. That was that's I think my number two. But uh, I like I love to see teams like really fail. So long as it's not a team that I support, you know. NFL. I don't really watch the NFL anymore. But like if team was going zero and sixteen, I'd, I'd want them to lose every game. Yeah. I love to see a team in basketball go like ten and seventy two. You know, just horrible records. And then. For teams to do really well, it would have to be, you know, my the team I support. I could care less if, you know, Liverpool's... I yeah. could care less if Liverpool's yeah. doing so well, because I don't want them to. Yeah. But um, but this game, this match for me, was uh, the perfect storm. Um, 
of of my team over uh, being on the the right side of this utter drubbing and humiliation, and it is Germany's seven one victory over Brazil in the semifinals of the twenty fourteen World Cup. And I got I watched it yesterday actually. It's the whole thing's on YouTube. I watched it front to back, and it opens up and you know it's in Brazil. Brazil have a great national anthem, by the way. I just like to say that, mm-hmm. and. The whole crowd is chanting about two thirds of the way through the uh, the um, the national anthem. They cut the instrumentals, and the the crowd and the and the Brazilian team are are singing along, and it's like it's a, it's just booming throughout the stadium. Yeah, home <clears throat> World Cup where Brazil were fancy to do well. Yeah, Neymar had got p- picked up a big injury, bad injury actually, against Colombia in the match before, so Neymar wasn't there, and Scolari um, asked him to at least be present, but. He decided to start his recuperation at home in another city. Classic Neymar. Classic Neymar. Classic Neymar, yeah. Yeah, with his family, his very, very close family. And, um, and anyway, so match kicks off. Brazil actually looked pretty decent um, in the first eight minutes or so. They were the better side for all of eight minutes, although Germany did have a chance. And then off of, off of Germany's first corner, Horrible man marking. Mueller uh, volleys at home, one nil, and it's like, okay, it's one nil. It's plenty of time, you know. Brazil, the Brazilian fans are like a little, a little shaken by this. Um, again, Brazil kind of picks it up again a little bit. Uh, next five minutes or so, and then, and but every time Germany's coming forward, they look, they look dangerous, and you know, the Brazilian defense, not good. Their captain is David Luiz. Yeah. You know, I think that says a lot right there is that yeah. is that David Luiz is your captain. Yeah. Um and the mentality clearly just isn't there. About the 20 second minute who makes it 2-0. It was all K's for a minute. It was Kadira. It was, uh Kadira Klose made it 2-0. And that gave him that was his goal that put him oh, yeah. um Above uh, or set the record for World Cup goals, yeah. and that's where he rests as it stands. He actually hasn't scored for the rest of the match, and you know Brazil's really shaken. Not even two minutes later, um, Kadira makes it three uh, 0 and the tears are flowing. Yeah. And like I'm, I, I'm watching this again. I was at the time I know I was, and then yesterday when I was watching it, I'm like cackling, like I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, I'm pissing myself. These, all these Brazilian fans are just bawling their eyes out. It's, the 24th minute and it's 3-0 and you gotta figure it, it's pretty much over um, and then you know the game progresses a little bit you know and uh, things you know, it sits at 3-0 and then Cruz makes it 4-0 horrible defending yeah just like I, I, like that one was like okay it's, it's gotta be it's gotta be done now right it absolutely has to be done um, and then again the game keeps going again and it's 5-0 and it's like surely it's done surely it must be done at 5-0 but Wait a minute! All these things were happening between since the third goal, and there was two goals. Time must have elapsed. No, it was the twenty-eighth minute. Yeah. It was five-nil after the twenty-eighth minute. They scored. Germany scored a record four goals in six minutes, World Cup record. Um, and then you know, the game just cut. And then actually, you know, there are no goals for a while. They, I would say, Germany, Brazil made some obviously attacking substitutions in the first half, and I feel like Neuer had a word with them. Just the team just be like, let me. You know, make some saves in the second half because he made like five or six saves yeah. in the second half, uh, and relatively early. Just you know, so he had some gloss on the game himself, and uh, and then um, Schuler comes on as a substitute 
for Closa in about the 60th minute, and he bangs in the sixth and the seventh goal to make it seven nil. <coughs> and the finish on the seventh goal was like really like the one really nice goal out of the seven. The rest were just all every goal was inside the box. Just horrible defending for the most part. Apart from the Schurler goal, the Brazilian fans kudos them like gave him a round of applause for his finish. Um, and then the game pretty much peters out. Last minute of play, 89th minute, 90th minute, but before injury time, Ozil misses a sitter. Should have made it 8-0. I was like, ah, oh, like, just put that away, man. Like, it was a <laughs> yeah. clear sitter. And then they come down. Uh, Germany is, like, shut off, and, and Brazil get their one little consolation. Yeah. Uh, and Neuer's pissed. Yeah. Like, I loved that. Like, 7-0, like, get me the fucking clean sheet. Yeah. He, like, he slammed the ground. He's not happy at all. Um, and that brought, like, another huge smile to my face. And honestly, by, like, 3-0, I was thinking to myself, Germany are going to win the World Cup. Yeah. Like, they're going, they're in Brazil right now, and they're utterly dicking them. Well, that's it. They were, they were stunning that year. I was, yeah. Like, they were great throughout that whole tournament. And they, uh, but... Honestly, by this, I, I was I was a little nervous going to that game. I was like, "Hey, Neymar's out. Like, that's a that's a big bonus." I still think Germany was a better team going to that match, hands down. Um, but no team had ever won. No team had ever won. No South American team has ever won in Europe. Okay. No European team had ever won in South America oh, wow. until that until that year. And that was in 2014. Yeah. That was a lot of World Cups. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just uh, so fun to watch. And I. I, I do love seeing teams get pummeled like that too. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that it was Germany, it, it, it really, it really solidified the fact that like I was not worried about Argentina. I was actually kind of, it was a pretty dull final. Yes, actually. Um, Certainly in comparison to what had gone before. Sure. I mean, or even like the Argentinian and the the Dutch semifinal. That was yeah. a, that was a good match. Um, had a really exciting finish. And then like when you see like Messi, n- not really completely being branded like a an international choker just yet. I think this kind of match kind of sealed it. Yeah. And then the couple of Copa Americas to follow. There was a lot of build-up in that game. Like, you had Argentina with all this attacking flair. And Germany just being such a well-oiled machine front to back. Um, And, yeah, I was nervous in that match as the match progressed. But going into it, I was extremely confident uh, for the final. Um, Anyway, so that is my favorite match. That was was a good one for me. Because after the 2010 World Cup... I really liked the look of Germany. They had a lot of young players coming mm-hmm. through. A lot yeah, of well, exciting well, players. Well, Mueller had burst on the scene in the 2010 yeah. World Cup, and then he was in, the, in his prime for the 2014 World Cup. Yeah, and same with Ozil as well, and yep. a few other players. Yeah, um, which generally has been the case since, I'd say, like 2006. Yeah. Yeah, like Schweinsteiger and Podolski yeah. coming up. And then, yeah, after the 2010 World Cup, I said, I remember... Right, Germany would win the next tournament. And yeah. they didn't. Spain won again. The and Euro. then by the 2014, I was convinced they were going to win the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, but they looked so good well, that and, year. And Germany, up until that disastrous 2018 World Cup, mm-hmm. were making deep runs in every tournament since yeah. like 2002. Like finals, semifinals. Yeah. Final semi, semi for the World Cup, then yeah. the win. Um, Euros, uh, semis, when Spain won. Yeah. Uh, I for, kind of forget 2008, but... Spain won, but oh no, they lost to Spain in the final. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's that. So now let's move on to our favorite starting eleven. Yeah. Um, got a manager? I haven't got a manager, but I could do. Yeah. Who do you got? It's Jurgen Klopp. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Just the way he's galvanized Liverpool, the football that he plays, yeah. everything. He's very about, charismatic. He's too. very charismatic. He's got the passion. It's a little that whingy I love. though. 
Yeah, I get it, and I think I think like all of the best, most exuberant managers, he's mm. becoming a little bit of a parody, or he can that sure. the temptation yeah, that's, that's is fair. to be a bit of a parody. Of I loved him at but, Dortmund, I love but him. the the style of football he plays it is some of the best football I've ever seen, both at Dortmund and at Liverpool. Some of the greatest uh, attacking football I've ever seen, as well as the passion that he has. Like it's. Yeah. It's just lovely to have that kind of manager on the sideline that really looks like no, you know that he cares about his team and his players. Um, so it's you and Klopp for me. Yeah. What about you? You know who it is. Big Al. It's, it's, yeah, it's the greatest of all time. Yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson. It's I don't really need to say much more. I mean, like, he hands down is the best. He's able to like, win. Like, United had amazing teams in the like, early 90s, um, 90s, early 2000s. They started to like kind of drop, especially when the Glazers took over. Yeah. Um, and he was still that team in his last season that won the Prem was not a good team terrible, at terrible. all. And you can say what you will about David Moyes following up the next season, but he didn't really have that much to work with. No, I mean you can <laughs> and, see, you can and see how he was good able Ferguson to win that. Was by how badly United done. Tactical genius, like really like changed, uh, like I mean I in a way like I love like you know like George Best what I know about him in terms of, like. His partying, his drinking, like even like in the nineties, all these guys are getting more money than football is used to, and like doing that kind of shit. But like Ferguson laid that down, and yeah. like yeah, okay, like you could, you could uh, show up, or you could do your thing, go partying. I'm sure on certain nights, but it wasn't like you're coming into practice hungover or anything like that. You know, absolutely no. not. Like when he came in there, he called a lot of like the heavy drinkers in the uh, on that team in the the late eighties, mm-hmm. and 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 like look what he did too. I mean, he was able to break. The axis of Rangers and and Celtic and win the Scottish yeah. Premier League with Aberdeen. Yeah, uh, he won the European Championship with Aberdeen. Yeah, he beat, they beat Real Madrid in the final. You know, like yeah. even before United. Um, and that's and that's what I want to see United do. In ter- I'm pulling for Ollie, obviously. Like I don't because I don't want them to reset, but I want to see United do. Um, if they have to find another manager, find like the next big thing. Don't go for Poch, who's like already kind of established. Get someone from another. Like the Air Divisi or something yeah. like that, and uh, and make yeah. them the next big thing. And yeah. Hopefully, they stay for a long time. Yeah. But Fer- Ferguson, hand, like you can't deny, he's, he's the best of all time. I don't think anyone's gonna even come close to what he what he's done. Yeah. Unless managers themselves, teams don't get so trigger happy with firing managers, and then also managers themselves are happy to stay and like yeah uh, build, build see out a tenure yeah. like Wenger and and Ferguson did. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly hope Klopp does something like that. Like, I hope they yeah. don't win, but I hope he, I hope he stays. In. Yeah, me too. But that's it. Ferguson, I hate the man. I think he's a horrible person. But um, <laughs> no. undeniably, I mean, no one's had the sustained success. He built, like, several world-class teams, which people don't do anymore. Like, Pep does it once and then has to move on. Right. Klopp has done it once and then moves on. You know, like, the best managers now, maybe it's the sign of the times, but, mm-hmm. like, you do see the sort of, Cycles. The club didn't club, do that though. Fuck, got fired. Yeah. So okay. So he built one great team, yeah, and, and then it fired. was waning, and then he left, and he left. Right? Yeah. Or he got fired. Yeah. Right? But he got he got fired though. He has, and he hasn't left with Liverpool yet. So I'm kind of hoping on hold on to hope for him. Yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's go start with the keeper. Yes. Uh, Ika Casillas for me. Mm, yeah. Um Not a fan. He He's was great. He broke into the Real Madrid and the Spain team like just as when I was about six years old, and I, as I was getting into football, and he was never present for for the next I don't know fifteen, eighteen years. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, was he eighteen when he started first yeah, Champions League match? Yeah, uh, 
Champions League final. He was 19 when he, he played in his first Champions League final. Um, it was just the, the shot-stopping ability. He's not the biggest yeah. guy, um, no. but he just seemed to pull out these magnificent saves, uh, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed watching him. And he's one of those goalkeepers you just think, if there's a one-on-one, you back him to save it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, for me, it's uh, I, had, I had trouble with the keepers. There were a few, a lot of United you know, like Schmeichel and and Vandersar, and then of course my number two was uh, Buffon. I love him. He's, he's such a class act, and he's just he's ageless. He's timeless. And uh, but for me, it's Oliver Kahn. Mm-hmm. I uh, again with Germany in the 2002 World Cup is when like I really got to see Oliver Kahn shine. Oh, he was fantastic. He won tournament. the Ballon d'Or for that tournament. He's the only keeper to ever do that. The, yeah, the best player of the tournament. Yeah, sorry, yeah. not the ball. Yeah, I mean, he won the best. Uh, the player of the tournament for uh, for the the World Cup, and they had only conceded once all tournament up until the final when they lost two yeah. 0 to Brazil. And that Brazil team was insane. Yeah, um, he was at fault for the for one of the goals yeah. in the final. Uh, yeah, and yeah, you can give him a, a bit of a, a pass reprieve that because he was fantastic in that tournament. Incredible. I mean, one goal throughout the whole World Cup, and that was in the group stage against Ireland. So they went through the knockout stages, three knockout rounds without conceding. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what I love is his passion. He's so he's such a hothead. Yeah. Um. He like apart from his incredible shot stopping ability and his amazing work ethic, um, just what he demanded from his teammates. He'd bark at yeah. at by like there's you can search like Oliver Kahn mad online right and he's barking at his own teammates like pulling them back. Yeah. Um. There was this ins there was this incident with um. Uh, a Bayer Leverkusen player back in, like I'd said, like, maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. I can't remember his name. And there was a little bit of a, a bump, and Leverkusen player's walking back, the striker, and Kong comes up to him and puts his, his arm around him and like kind of like shakes his head. And, and in the, post-game, the post-match interview, the player's like, I thought I was going to die. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I felt his, his, his paw on me. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, That's uh, it. And I... Uh, there's a lot to be said. He was fearing for his life at the time. There's a lot to be said for footballers that instill fear in uh, in the opposition. Uh, I'm sure I know you've got a couple of players in your yeah. team that that yeah. do that, and that that's very underrated uh, ability, to be honest. Yeah, and, and it's but, and it's kind of waning more and more. Yeah, it's, it's the very, game it's, changes. It's more and more buddy buddy, which I'm, yeah, the game. Changes, I think I think we might I think we might change back a little. I think oh, it might I be a little so. dip, you know. I think so. Because um, I think it's. It's kind of growing amongst the fans in terms of like yeah. that, that anger and that, yeah. and that passion, right? That's it. and that's what the fans connect with. That's why I love Klopp so much. That's mm. why so many players I love because of the passion. Um, okay. Uh, you right want to do backwards. right, right to left? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got uh, Lillian Turam. Yeah. Had a little bit with the left and right back. Had a little bit of a uh, struggle, but Turam was was great. Like pace, strength. Uh, fearlessness, like yeah. he'd throw his body in front of yeah. everything. Yeah, uh, he was pretty much played. He played with uh, Buffon at Parma, and and transferred the same summer. So I think they both went. He went to Parma in '96 and started cutting his teeth in the Italian league after leaving Monaco. I believe in '96, five years there. And you know you don't really. It's like oh Parma, but back then Parma was good. They he he won one or two Coppa Italias with yeah. them, uh, a couple Super Copas. And, uh, Came maybe, second place to Juventus in like '97 or '98. Yeah, well, that that Parma team in the '90s was fantastic. They had a lot of good players. Yeah, um, and 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 he was integral. And then he moves on to Juventus with Buffon that same year. Uh, they 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 get them both, and they continue their partnership. And you could see when you watch highlights of 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 them, you can see 
the friendship and the camaraderie. Yeah. Like when Turan bails him out, like Buffon's yeah. like all over yeah. him. Just and yeah. uh, it's so great to see. And then his, they call him the philosopher, and it's because of this the '98 World Cup. They're playing Croatia, so Croatia, big surprise team who has a great run to the semifinals. And France is at home. Second, first half nil nil. Second half, France. Everyone in the defense plays this high line. They're all. They're all in it, three, and by all I mean three of them, and Turam is out to lunch and plays the Croatian striker well on side. He slots at home. Two minutes later, Turam, who has scored ten domestic goals in his whole career, ties it up. He's like, like what, what was he even doing up there? Like, mm-hmm. I think Henri slots him through, yeah. and, and he's pretty much in on goal one-on-one. And then not too long after that, he makes a tackle outside the Croatian box, and... He he just pops it from outside like the the right the top right hand corner yeah. of the box far far corner, and he stumbles like because he he loses his balance as he takes a shot and he just sits there like cross legged and puts his hands up to his mouth in this pontificating manner, yeah. and now he's the philosopher, and so he scores two like two massive goals. What's that? Pretty much ten percent of his career <laughs> yeah, goals yeah, <laughs> in yeah, the semifinal, yeah. leading to Brazil's yeah. or sorry France's uh, World Cup victory yeah. first first World Cup victory. So that's my right back. I've got uh, Javier Zanetti. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic play. Very, uh, I've got a lot of love for all-round players. Sure. Zanetti could do everything. He, he could run for days and days and days. I mean, he was still playing top-level football for, uh, for Inter Milan and Argentina well, well into his late 30s. I think he retired when he was about 38, or maybe even 39. Um, excellent in the tackle, great leader. Um, very good on the ball. He even played in central midfield for some of his later career. Mm-hmm. Um, That's saying something. Like yeah. to, to move to move into that position. Yeah, in, later, later on in your career. Yeah. Um, but he had everything. Yeah, I love the technical ability. His leadership is fantastic, and um, just his rampaging runs down the wing. Yeah, lovely player. All right. Lovely player. Uh, moving on to your first centre back. Uh, probably one. Well, easily one of my favourite players of all time, uh, Alessandro Nesta. Yeah, okay. Just absolutely <laughs> Titan as a centre back. Like, he was so cool and calm. He's exactly who. He's the model defender for me. Like, he reads the game so well. He was never blessed with the pace, but um, he read the game so well. He was always a step ahead of the attackers. Um, he was great on the ball. Um, and then there's that one, the one perfect Nesta moment is that tackle on Lionel Messi. So Lionel Messi's the best player in the world at this point. Nesta's maybe slightly past his peak at this point. Yeah, Messi's, for sure. Messi's dominating and he runs through for Barcelona against Milan and he's like three steps ahead of Nesta. He, I, like, he's just odds on to score like 99 times out of 100. You see Messi in this position, he scores, especially where Nesta was. And somehow Nesta gets back and he lunges and he makes the absolute perfect tackle like doesn't even touch Messi like barely even takes him out he just he just lunges in foot on the ball and then and then he's up and he ta- and he carries the ball away like i've never it's it's the best tackle i've ever seen in my life i've never seen anything <laughs> yeah. like it it was phenomenal nice. yeah the classiest defender in the world yeah uh, fantastic player. all right and who's your other center back uh, sammy hupia yeah i don't know much about him uh, he was he was my hero when I was like a, when I was a small child. Uh, he was my hero. He was the Liverpool captain for a while, just before Steven Gerrard mm-hmm. um, signed from Willem II. Oh yeah, uh, the Eredivisie. Yeah. yeah, 
the the famous line is who the fuck is Sammy Huppier? Because like we announced, <laughs> Liverpool announced this player. They've signed him for two point eight million pounds. Yeah. Um, who the fuck is Sammy Huppier? Instantly, he's he's a mainstay in the Liverpool defence for ten years. He was excellent. He he was str- very strong, fantastic, and he scored a lot of goals actually, uh, including a wicked goal in the Champions League quarter-final against Juventus where he volleyed it with his left foot but he scored a lot of goals with his head from corners so he was dominant in the air but again good reading of the play not it wasn't a long passer but he, he was comfortable enough on the ball to, to be in possession but um, yeah a proper defender um, solid hard as nails mm-hmm. yeah he was just fantastic alright um, alright so for me I'm just going to do the pairing together yeah. I've went straight United uh, Jop Stom and Nemanja Vidic and I mean probably the most ferocious defensive partnership you could you imagine could, no there's no there's no question about that I mean Vidic would throw himself both of them would throw themselves at anything but Vidic was like just his head was like made of aluminum yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then to see him bleed that one time it's like yeah. this blood cascading down his face it's like how, how did that even happen is the other guy alive um, <laughs> yeah, yeah but you know, Vidic came in, and they got him, I believe, from Moscow. Spartak, I believe. Yes. Um, and he struggled the first year a little bit, right? But after that, he and Rio Ferdinand created the best defensive pairing possibly so far in PL history. Oh, I would, I would certainly agree with um, that. Those two were unstoppable. Yeah, and Rio was really close for me. Nemanja was my number one, but some of Yop Stom, he just like this l- lumbering yet quick... Quick yeah. enough, because yeah, like yeah. he's he's quick enough for this massive, massive man, and I think he actually could kind of pair well with Vidic, yeah, uh, to make up for the pace. Yeah, but Ferdinand's better because he is a little pacier than, than yeah. Stom, but um, Stom like sometimes, despite being as tall as he was, he was incredibly uh, flexible and like yeah. he, he'd throw his legs up to like get balls yeah. that he could be clean with his head and like what <laughs> I, he didn't need to do that, yeah. but I I appreciate that you did and. Well, um, Ferguson, Alex Ferguson famously said his greatest ever mistake as a manager was selling Yapstam. Man, I mean, I, I was, he, sh- he showed up the year they won the treble, I believe. Yes. Or, so or the year before. No, they signed him after they won the after treble. After the treble. Yeah. And then, he, okay. And he was there for two or three years? Y- three years, yeah. I know, I know. It's like, how, how was he, and then he went to Lazio and he, he held it down there. Um, but I, I was like, I was like, why was he only there for such a short yeah. period of time? That guy has legs, yeah, for days, stamina. And there was this great clip. You guys, you guys need to check this out. Um, and a recent, um, what's that? What are those matches they do for someone who's played for a team for like ten years? What's like, what's that called again? Oh, a testimonial. A testimonial. I can't remember who the testimonial was from, but whoever the the, uh, the opposing team is, this guy's trying to like dink past Stom, and Stom like just like sh- in a testimonial like shirks him to yeah. the ground, <laughs> yeah. like. Does a little bit of skill and like pass, like floats the ball up to like flicks the ball up to like half yeah. field, um, and the crowd lost their mind. So he's still he's still yeah still getting still it done. It. Yeah, uh, and for left back, I guess I'll I'll do left back. Um, going current still, uh, it was between two players for me, but I ended up going with David Alaba. Uh, I love his versatility. I love his arguably, maybe not anymore, but the fastest player in the game for a few years. Yes. Um, great passer of the ball. I would say one of the one of the first left backs or right backs that really started revolutionizing yeah. uh, how attacking that position yeah. can be. 
it was it was starting a little bit before him, but I think he's maybe the person, the player that kind of solidified it. I, I can't really think of anyone else at his oh. level. Maybe Jordi Alba. Yeah. Um, but his pace is unrelenting, and his strength too. And it's not, and he's an incredible defender. Because now you see him playing more and more when Bayern's facing some injuries in the center back role. Yeah. So it's not like he's just attack minded and a little bit of a uh, a liability. By no stretches defensively is he a liability. He can play in the the center defensive mid role, and um, well, that's I think that's it. It's fullbacks are becoming more and more complete players and mm-hmm. Alaba is one of the first to really nail yeah. that down like offensively defensively mm-hmm. um, good on the ball everything yeah incredible uh, great shot too like you'll see yeah. him line up for free kicks and a, and a loaded yeah. uh, Bayern side yeah. um, and just quickly my second who would have been my first if he hadn't just, if he just kept it together was Benjamin Mendy I loved Benjamin Mendy on that Monaco team um, and he was just so much fun he, was, he still is such a character but it's the injuries is part of, is, is part of what's holding him back, but um, also like just the lapse of concentration, and it's kind of showing. It's like if you can't be the character, but also just kind of carry over to carry it over onto the pitch, like someone like Zlatan does, then yeah, yeah that's why he's not my number one. So yeah. it's David Alba for me. What do you got? For me, it was close because when I was growing up, I'm a left back, always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved Roberto Carlos as a child, just because he had he had that wicked shot, um, and he was bombing up. I was, it might surprise you to know this, knowing me now, but I used to be a very athletic young man, um, and I used to love bombing up and down the left wing, mm-hmm. attacking left wing. Back. Does surprise me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's before the drink and the smoke and the Sure, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, um, it just kind of carries it. Yeah. Even if you are sober, it's just yeah. kind of like a cloud that's yeah, just yeah. circling. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I loved Roberto Carlos, but for me, my favourite left-back is Christian Kivu. So he captained Ajax when he was um, 21, I think, played for Ajax for a few years, then moved to Roma, where he had a, a solid couple of years. Then he moved to Inter, Inter Milan, where he was at Inter Milan for about eight years, and he was fantastic. He was another one. He was either a left-back or a centre-back, so he was a bit more defensive, uh, which I wanted for this team. But um, excellent technical player, like he was—he's a free kick taker and a corner kick taker, like excellent on the set pieces. And for listeners that are not aware of who Christian Kibu is, reminds me of—do you remember Max that game where Jan Vertonghen played left back for Tottenham and like blew it away? And he yeah, was like, like two putting, assists or putting in yeah. amazing balls, right? Yeah. That's basically what Christian Kibu was like week in week out. Yeah, like sure. he. He could get up in a great position, and because of his ball-playing ability, he would whip in the perfect cross, um, but very solid defensively, because he was sometimes he was a centre-back, sometimes a left-back, um, sometimes a defence midfielder. Again, same thing with Zanetti. I like all-round, all-round players. I think excellent on the ball, um, solid in the tackle. Uh, would put his body on the line. He ended up with a fractured skull after one game um, and had to wear a head brace for the rest of his career. Um, yeah, and I don't know why. He's just one of those players early on in his career caught my eye, mm-hmm. and uh, I followed him ever since. And yeah, yeah, lo- that's it's, it's a good feeling like yeah. when you catch someone like before he's blown up, right? Yeah. Um, all right, uh, CDM. Uh, I've got Edgar Davids, and so the when pit I was w- the pitbull, yeah. When I was when I was growing up, I was very kind of like loosely into. It was mostly international tournaments for me that would uh, you know catch my eye in terms of soccer. And, and, and it was more accessible for me to watch. Yeah. 
And I was in uh, I was in Europe at the time with my grandmother at like the age of eight when this when Euro two thousand was going on. And I loved this Dutch squad. And he was he was this guy who's like he's like a superhero to me. He like you couldn't you couldn't not see him on the pitch. Yeah. Like he had this these these big yellow goggles on. Yeah. Because uh, glaucoma. glaucoma. Yeah. And and then these and these massive dreads, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he was just bossing it all yeah. over the field. Um, great. And you know CDM, especially when you think of how the games progress, it's like okay, now the CDM is more generally you know a little a little better on the ball. This guy's incredible dribbler like just embarrassing people like and using his body so well turning people yeah. beautifully solid shot you know about 20 goals throughout his whole career but that's, you know that's from the position he's playing in, right and he let like rockets fight so the majority of his goals came from outside the box uh exceptional pass over the ball and just a just a great career you know didn't didn't uh couldn't get it done with uh, some talented dutch squads for a uh, major tournament but you know, played a, a nice, a nice career at Juve. I think that was probably yeah. at his peak. Juve, yeah, Juventus oh, yeah. was was his peak. Um, yes, yeah, so I just got images of him. You know, basically biting at people's ankles. Yeah, right? That's, yeah. You, incredible, incredible tackler. So physical. Another, yeah. another like like Turam, like just fearless. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's that's my CDM. Uh, for me, it's uh, <laughs> my perfect footballer. My CDM, mm-hmm. Xabi Alonso. Mm. I absolutely love the way he plays. He's the, his passing is just out of this world. Particularly, so I loved him since he was a Liverpool player, obviously. But yeah. his best form, he was Fire, he, he was world class for Liverpool, and Liverpool went into into the doldrums when we sold him. Mm-hmm. Um, then at Madrid, but even at, I think his best form probably was at Bayern. I think in so. The last couple of years, of and his that's, career. that's that's incredible. Like the longevity. Yeah. Um, of, and and that's that's like the the mental capacity he has for yeah. the game and yeah. and how he sees it and how he can um you contain the energy that they're yeah. just not to spend too much that's energy it. just disperse too much energy. yeah but so the passing was the main thing he was so comfortable yeah. on the ball but underrated tackler as well he he could Fair put enough. the boot in he I don't I don't really associate him too much with the no, tackling but not not into he's not the sort of Edgar Davids uh you know snapping at people's ankles but he was he was strong in the tackle. Uh, and he had a good read on the game, so he often wouldn't necessarily need to need to commit himself too much. Um, yeah, very good holding midfielder, um, and just yeah, it's, it's coolness and calmness on the For ball. Sure. The long passes that he can make, put it on a fucking, put it on a you know, a dime from from forty yards or whatever. Absolutely perfect. Um, yeah, wonderful player. And the fact there's only a few players probably that. Pep Guardiola really requires and he was one of them like he was coming to the end of his career but Pep Guardiola at Bayern was like we, we need get to him. get Xavi Alonso mm-hmm. um, and yeah and it worked out well he was he was fantastic at Bayern but yeah one of the best midfielders I've ever seen alright uh, for me my box to box is Roy Keane just another another shithouse man like it's, I'd say for, apart from David Alba at this point everyone on my team is just you know just throwing themselves yeah. in front of everything uh, now Roy Keane on, on the pitch um, was I, I didn't get to see too much of him but you know you can always go back and watch highlights and but his, his leadership quality is is what is, is what I, I rate maybe the highest uh, in terms of you know what he does for a team and 
how he was just willing to just stir up shit with absolutely anyone. Um, we were talking last night. There's this great, I mean, his rival rivalry rivalry with Patrick Vieira um, is probably second to none in terms of yeah. just like player to player. But there's this one time when they're in the tunnel, and Vieira, uh, he says, "I think someone on United was maybe a French player on United was talking to Vieira. He's like, what the fuck are you talking to him for? He's French." Or, not a French player, but he said, I think, yeah. where you, where you, what the fuck are you talking to him for? He's French. And Vera's like, I'm not French, I'm Senegalese. And Keen responds, why don't you fucking play for him then? You know, just shit like that. And, I mean, just, just what he brought to the team's diehard mentality um, is, uh, he's my captain. He's, yeah. he's my captain yeah. of this team. And he should be a captain for, I'd say, anyone's team, despite yeah. bias or anything. Yeah, certainly he was a very, very very good leader and a very impressive footballer as well absolutely for me this was the hardest decision for me um, Mm -hmm. because the player that didn't make it is Steven Gerrard Um, (laughs) see I love Steven Gerrard I think the reason I've not gone with him is in the context of this team in the context of a team Steven Gerrard was always best when he was the main man he doesn't fit quite so well into into a team of world class players Mm. um it's still your favorite team, though. I know, I know. So who do you got? It's Michael Ballack. Ah, uh, yeah. So Michael Ballack, I think he's just a more complete footballer than Steven. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. It's very difficult. Um, but, yeah, Steven Gerrard, just because of who, I, who else I've got in the midfield, I wanted someone that's a bit more defensively minded. Steven Gerrard would put in a wonder tackle, but was best when rampaging forward. Um, Michael Ballack was a more complete central midfielder. Um, Chipped in with a lot of important goals, um, but also great in the tackle, great at playing short passes, um, more of a heartbeat of a team. Um, so in this context, I've gone for Michael Ballack, uh, with Steven Gerrard a very close second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no disputes there. Uh, and then for my attacking mid is Zendin Zidane. I don't think, I mean, he could do everything. Yeah, he was uh, offensively player. anyway, he could do absolutely everything. Um, but yet again, another great leader, another another player who's, you know, very fiery. I mean, the last thing he ever did on a pitch was headbutt somebody in the chest. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, but then his his creativity, his his dribbling, his shooting. I mean, he was he was the complete offensive package. Yeah. And uh, you know when he was at at Bordeaux before he went to Juventus the the player who discovered him was just saying like how how he he could dribble through six or seven players no problem I mean it was the French League yeah. but still, <laughs> but yeah. still and that's at, that's at a young age too right and then he just goes on to flourish at Juventus becomes a Galactico was I'd imagine the highest the biggest signing when he went from Juventus to uh, oh yeah it was at, for at the long, time, for a long time, for a long yeah. time, it was until, close to like sixty million or something like that. Or, uh, that might have been dollars, though. Yes, it was. Uh, how much was it? Forty-six million pounds, I remember. Yeah. Okay. So he's got, and so he has one Champions League, or did he win? Yeah, or two. One. One. One, one. one with Real, World Cup, um, Euro, and uh, plenty of league titles as well. Yeah. 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 And for some. For me, it's uh, Pavel Nedved, mm-hmm. another complete midfielder. He's he was very close like, to me. He's been called the most complete midfielder of all time. He could do everything, he, offensively, defensively. He could tackle, uh, he could run for days. I mean, mostly deployed on the left of midfield. I've got him in the sort of 
in the central midfield of a midfield three because I think in the modern day that's exactly where he'd be playing. Um, the passing was excellent. The so many assists. Yes, chipped in with goals. A cannon though. Yeah, oh, I, cannon, I vividly yeah. remember. I'm pretty sure it was against Germany in the 2004 World Cup when the Czech had that great yeah. run. Pretty sure, that, like just inside the Germans' half, he let a cannon fly. And ripped it off the crossbar. Yeah. It's not like he took a shot and was yeah. like chipping the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. only took a, yeah. a blast. Yeah. And yeah. But rattled no, the butt. For me, he was he was such a classy player. Um, lovely on the ball. His dribbling was outstanding and he could and his distribution was great. But then he's got that edge as well. He got booked and sent off like a lot of times in his career. So he mm-hmm. had the edge, which I respect. Um, and that helps him with the with the tackling and, and everything. I think he's He's probably the most complete player I've ever seen, um, and yeah, a shoe. I like that team. pick a lot. I like it a lot. It's, uh, and he's doing a great job, you know, post his playing career at Juventus in terms of you know organizing that team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's. You want to go left, right striker? Sure. Um, left wing for me. Simply the most talented player I've ever seen, and possibly will ever skill wise. Yeah. Just got, released, just got released from Paraguayan prison. Just got released prison. from Paraguayan prison, Ronaldinho. Yeah. This guy could do things with a ball that I've ne- that no one else can do. He was absolutely, it was glued to his feet. He was just outstanding. And he's one of these players, I think in the modern day particularly, you need players that are generally just effective. Ronaldinho might not have always been quite so effective and his yeah. career at the top it, it, level was very yeah, short. Yeah, he, he did burn out, but... but just the, the the ceiling of ability, he it, no one no one touches him for me. He was outstanding. Um, yeah, there's no dispute. He's he was the second ever Barcelona player to be given a standing ovation by in the Bernabeu um, after Diego Maradona. He absolutely destroyed Real Madrid when Barcelona won two 0 I think he he just he get he received the ball on the wide left all the time consistently and something would happen he's one of these players that like whatever tactical plan you've got going on you can just allow for Ronaldinho to be there and do his own thing because Mm -hmm. the things that he could do with the ball outstanding yeah Uh, for me I should open up because for the left because my my player is not not close to Ronaldinho in that sense it's uh, Marco Royce I just I just um, you know I just always really enjoyed the way he plays he's uh, attack attack minded fast Great finisher, excellent passer. Um, I just—he has this kind of this vibe about him that I really like. He's very sleek, very sleek kind yeah. of player. Um, another fun guy to have around the team. Like there's—he's—he's uh, he's loyal. Like he—he he could have gone to a number of places. Injury probably hampered his career in terms of a bigger move. But he's been happy to stay at Dortmund his whole career. He's refused to move to Dorm, uh, to Bayern Munich, which so many players, especially from Dortmund, do. So I really admire the loyalty. Um, you know, just a, a good time. Like, he had this great partnership with Aubameyang. They didn't actually end up winning the Bundesliga together, but he was part of the dorm winning side. I think they won twice in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yes, I think and, and Royce was there for both. Yeah. Um, and, and a key component um, young, in, early in his career. Um, but Aubameyang and, uh, and Royce, they were like Batman and Robin. There was a time where they scored, and Aubameyang like, went to the, the opposing goals team, uh, post after he scored the goal and pulled out like the Batman mask and the Robin mask yeah. and they were there like arm in arm 
and a bit of a tragic character because of the injuries as well. Um, he could he could be doing his stats could be so much more prolific if mm-hmm. he wasn't honestly sadly made of glass. He got he gets injured. You know, I was talking about the uh, the World Cup 2014 when Germany wins. He gets injured. In, the, in a friendly a month before the World Cup kicks off, and he was a key component. He would have been a key component of that team, arguably maybe the best player on that team. Yeah. Um, even still, and then Jeremy still go on to, to dominate, yeah. but uh, too bad for him in, in yeah. a lot of respects. Yeah. Um, and on the right wing, I have... So you're talking about, uh, you know, discovering players and how good it feels. For me, I, I was following Monaco heavily at, at the beginning of the season where they made that great run to the semifinals. Uh, Fabinho, Bernardo Silva, Mendy, uh, uh, Bakayoko. Yeah. And then, and they're got this great start. But then come like late September, early October, this kid bursts on the scene that no one really starts talking about until later on in the season when they're, when they're beating Man City in the Champions League is killing Mbappe. And he's got to be the fastest player on the planet right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just, just just watch what he did to Argentina yeah, when France won the World Cup, um, and a, an incredible finisher. The ceiling, I'd say maybe like the ceiling is more or less reached for him, but I'd say he's he's the best striker in the world now. Yeah, and he's twenty one. Yeah, I think he's he's, he's yeah. twenty one, and he's gonna he's, he'll he'll have Ballon d'Ors coming out of his ass. I think so. Yeah, so I'd say by. I, uh, next year, like he could be, he could be one of it. Maybe he has to make that move from PSG first. Yeah, I would like to see him move from PSG. Um, but uh, we're getting there. Yeah, uh, he has the potential to be the best player in the world. Yeah. for quite some time. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I've got Luis Figo. Oh yeah. Um, loved watching him growing up. He's the skill and the dribbling. Um, yeah, he scored goals, but it was, his dribbling was just fantastic. Um, particularly just down that right wing, cutting inside. Crossing, shooting. He was a lovely, lovely attacking player to watch. Very, very exciting. Um, but very consistent. Played exceptionally well throughout his career during trouble times for his clubs, whether it was Barcelona or Real Madrid. Yeah, one or two players to make that switch, right? Yeah. Um, but he was, he was just very, he was a very effective player. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he had the, the, Always the mesh of skill and uh, and consistency. Always um, never liked because I, I I do really like the the Dutch side. All not being Dutch whatsoever, but you know the Portuguese are always beating the Dutch. And yeah. there was that massive uh, that Euro. I think it might be Euro two thousand four match where they won one nil Portugal yeah. beat the Dutch. And there was like four red cards, and that just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. mostly because of that. Yeah. Um, who do you got for striker? Raul. Uh-huh. Uh, one of my yeah. Growing up, I was uh, my my second international team. Growing up was Spain, mm-hmm. um, mostly because I used to go on holiday there quite a lot. Fair so enough. I had a Spain shirt and whatever. Sure. But Raúl, he was just fantastic. Like the captain of Spain and of Real Madrid, scored goals for fun. Like whether it's inside the box or outside the box, but he was a complete striker. Like his link-up play was good. His running in behind was excellent. Um, is finishing just out of this world, like whether he's chipping it over the goalkeeper or whether he's, you know, slotting it into the far post or, you know, outside of his boot, you know, side foot, rocket from outside the box, finishing out of this world. And I'd okay. love to have him in, in any team that yep. I've supported. Uh, for me, it's, it's one of the greatest poachers of all time, Rude Van Nistelrooy. Like, 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 honestly, like, he just... He, when would he miss sitters? 
Boy, he's always yeah. always in and around the box. Yeah. You know, great on like a little dink too. Yeah. Nice firm shot. Yeah. Never really seen like outside the box finishing. Never take. scored outside the box for Man United. <laughs> never, never once. Never, 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 never once. Never, never. Yeah. I'm not I'm not surprised. No. <laughs> I'm not no. surprised at all. It takes a lot for me to say this about Manchester United player. I love Venice Story. Oh man, I player. and again, there's the Dutch things like that really got for me as a kid too. I was, I was such a huge fan of him, and not even so much because of United, mostly because of of the Dutch squad. Because I was like really, mostly I was paint like it was mostly international. So walking around like an adult Van Nistelrooy jersey, like bright orange, going to school with his jersey like down around yeah. my fucking knees, um, proudly, because he was just, uh, I don't know, man. Like he's quintessential. Yeah. Quintessential yeah. finisher and uh, perfect striker that I just love to have yeah. at the top of a great team that can yeah. feed the ball into him. Yeah. Right, now before we go on to the subs, we'll just mm-hmm. do the subs very quickly because we've got a couple minutes left. Yeah. I have a quick change to make. It's Steven okay. Gerrard. Okay. I've, I've thought about it. Yeah, yeah. I love the Is guy. He's eating, eating up inside. He was not sleep fantastic. last night. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, Good. I'm glad you did that for yourself. You'll never a, be able to forgive yourself. Uh, no, I, I, I've been stewing on it for the last 15 minutes. Um, yeah. All right. he, there's nothing more to be said. Steven Gerrard, the man, the legend. Uh, for me, my subs are Rio Ferdinand. So yeah. three center backs, defender, midfield, yeah. attack. Um, so three United center backs, um, but I, arguably the three best, yeah. possibly of of uh, of the Premier League until Van Dyke came along. I'll yeah. Grant. There's and there's John Terry. There's a bunch, yeah. but you know, there's also yeah. bias involved. It's very close. Um, my midfield is Pavel Nedved. Yeah. He was very close for me. Um, and then my striker is Miroslav Klose. And that was really tight. For me, the keeper and the striker were, was the most difficult. Um, but the striker was closest. And uh, Klose had such an impact on me as a child um, with that German squad. And, you know, scoring four goals uh, in, like, the 2002 World Cup against Saudi Arabia just to yeah. kick off that tournament, like, that great run that Germany had. And then just continuing for four more World Cups afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, or three. Yeah, for me, my defender is Lucio. Um, fantastic, like very underrated on the ball. Uh, he was really good on the ball, actually, but fantastic defender. Read the game so well, strong in the tackle. Very short, he was about five foot ten. Very short for a centre back, but like good jumping ability. And he, yeah, he was just a boss at centre back mm-hmm. um, for a couple of great teams, Bayern Munich, Brazil, and Inter Milan particularly. My midfielder is Alex, who spent most of his career at Fenerbahce, mm. but he used to play for Cruzeiro in Brazil in about 2002, 2003, and I used to get up as a child at like 4 o'clock in the morning to watch the Copa Libertadores on uh, Channel 4 in England. And Dedication. And, yeah, and that's, that season, that, I was, that particular year that sticks in my mind, he was on fire. He, he was like the best. He won the best player in the tournament that season. They got to like the semi-finals maybe, and he was just he like took my breath away. And I mean, he played 50 times for Brazil. Excellent player, um, and just one of those ones that sticks in my mind. Yeah. And then a striker, Samuel Etu. Oh yeah, Great fantastic call. player. Great call. Excellent for Barcelona and Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. The the pace, the pace, and yeah. the goals. You know, fantastic. Yeah, but very hard worker as well. Mm. Lovely player. All right. All right, guys. That concludes our nostalgia trip for for the day. There'll definitely be some more fantasy 11s coming up because I think it's yeah. a good fun exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, and the range is stopped right now. So yeah. I'll be like that. All um, right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, we'll be back in 
few days a week. See you then. Take care.